It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. What makes someone a leader? Today's guest, Ash Beckham, challenges us to embrace a different vision of leadership, one in which we stop focusing on external authorities and start reclaiming our own ability to create change. According to Ash, we need people to step up and be the change they wish to see in the world. Ash is an inclusion activist, leadership expert, professional trainer, and author of Step Up, How to Live with Courage and Become an Everyday Leader. Welcome, Ash. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, great to be here, John. Thanks for having me. So, Ash, you say that you had no intention of entering the public speaking space, and yet here you are. So how did you get started doing this type of work? Well, you know, I was, um, it was about 10 years ago, and I was inspired by seeing somebody else do it. There was an event in Boulder uh, called Ignite that I went to, which is, if you've ever seen the platform, you have five minutes exactly, the slides auto-advance every 15 seconds. Their tagline is, enlighten us, but make it quick. So it was this really uh, just very fun event that happened in town. And, and I went to go see it for the first time. Uh, and there was a guy there that talked about his ups and downs with weight loss. And he was so, and, you know, nobody in Boulder talks about that for sure. Men certainly never talk about that. And so to be able to have somebody speak in that way so authentically, so honestly, um, the feeling that he evoked in the audience, I was like, that, I want to do that. Um, so then the next time it came up, it was like a personal challenge for me. The next time the applications were there, I, um, I threw my hat in the ring and I knew it was going to have to be something personal and something I was passionate about. And, you know, where I lived, it was a pretty progressive place. So, um, you know, gay rights, gay marriage really wasn't there. But having kids, you know, friends that had kids, they were really, um, they were, you know, the, the use of the word gay in a pejorative way was still very prevalent. And, and so that's kind of what I landed on and, and got some, got lucky that it got some traction online and that led to a TED talk. And then, um, and then all of a sudden I was a, I was a speaker. It was a, it was a tough adjustment for me, but, but mm-hmm. I loved it. Well, and I find the people that make the greatest impact in the world are people that talk from the heart. They're sharing something that's important to them and personal. Absolutely. I think that's what, that's what resonated, right? It, it, it wasn't perfect. It was something, you know, I feel like sometimes we, even, even 10 years ago, it, it felt like, you know, we were divisive and we feel like, you know, our experience is wholly our own and, and nobody can relate to it. And if you haven't been through what I've been through, then you don't know what it's like to be me. But that really puts up these walls that are pretty artificial, you know, like we all know what it's like to, to be afraid of what somebody else thinks. We all are afraid that if we, we say something or we share our truth, whatever that truth may be, that, that we'll be isolated or people will see us differently. And it doesn't necessarily matter what that truth is, right? That feeling is the same. And, and so I tried to kind of bring people together on, on that concept. And, and, and it felt like 
um, something that, that really resonated with some people. So I, I, felt, I felt lucky to be able to have that connection. So then you went on to develop a step-up program that provides guidance to help cultivate leadership. So how did you make that transition to leadership? And then how did you decide to create this program? Sure. So it was really, I was, I was lucky enough to be out speaking. I was speaking uh, at universities and in corporate environments and at conferences um, and, and really kind of giving, giving people this idea of inclusive leadership and, and, and meeting these incredible people. And I would meet them afterwards and they, they would say, oh, I loved your program. You know, the, I, love, I love this idea of, of being a leader. When I dot, 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 I'm really going to implement it. And so it was, people were always waiting for something. When I get that degree, when I manage that, you know, when I have eight direct reports, when I have a budget line that is X amount of dollars, right? It was, it was always something that people were waiting for. And, and I would ask people in the room, you know, how many, how many people see themselves as leaders? And, you know, depending on the demographics, you know, 30 to 50% of the hands would go up. And then you would ask the same question, who thinks the person sitting to their left is leader? And all the hands would go up. So it was really, it wasn't the fact that people weren't leading. It's that they weren't embracing that role themselves. They weren't seeing themselves in that way. And so that was the piece of step up is, is it doesn't matter if you're the, you know, Fortune 50 CEO or the captain of the, you know, 10U soccer team, you can lead from exactly where you are. And you don't even have to be the captain, right? You could be, you'd be the kid that starts on the bench, but everybody can lead from exactly where they are. And so the idea is, creating this, this toolkit because, you know, they say when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Yeah. So we, we approach leadership in this way of this is how, this is how it's supposed to be. We have to be, we have to be strong or we have to be bold or we have to be powerful. And, and I just don't think that that's, that's the case. A, I think that that turns off the concept of leadership to so many people and makes it seem inaccessible. And also different situations require a different skill set. And, and so the idea of step up was, was that we would hone these skills, these practices that would allow us in any situation to assess what do I need? Do I need courage? Do I need um, a little bit of authenticity, you know, and a lot of humility? Like what is the exact recipe in the situation to allow me to be the leader that I want and need? That was the evolution. Well, you just described, I mean, it, it's really so on point because when we think of a leader, we do think it's that person who's in charge of something, but we lead in everything we do every day. And when you start to realize that about yourself, it really does change the way you live your life. And you just started to touch upon it, but you have eight pillars of leadership. Would you take us through those eight pillars and just describe them briefly? Yeah, absolutely. And so the first one is empathy, which to me is, is the root and the start of, of everything. Like you, can't, you can't get into this work in the, in the way that we discussed. If, if you're not willing to have a willingness to, to dive in and see what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes. And, and again, you know, empathy doesn't mean you have to agree with somebody. It just has, it has, it's a willingness to understand their why. How did they get there? And if, you, if there's no agreement, right, you don't, you don't have to even condone what they're doing. You just have to be willing to dive in. Then we can empathize with anybody, right? That, that really opens it up to me. Um, and then, as we move through it, everything develops on each other. So the next one is individuality, and that's really embracing that, that my leadership style can, be, can play to my strengths, right? If I am that really gregarious, outspoken, social person, that can be part of my leadership repertoire. And if I'm not, and if I'm more thoughtful and more introverted, then, then that can play to it as well because there are people that are like me. There are people that are going to that relate to that type of leader. And then we get into uh, grace, which is, 
which is this, you know, the idea of this like 10,000 foot view that you can, that you have to be able to see everything from a, from a larger perspective, that we're really mindful of the way we approach things. And then courage, obviously, no matter how you define courage, it, it's critical to, to step into this leadership role because by definition, we're changing our patterns and, and that takes some bravery. And, and the courage isn't the absence of fear, right? We never get to the point where we're not afraid. Courage is really that idea that, that we, we feel the fear, right? That's how we know we're doing the right thing, that we're pushing our limits and we're brave enough to do it anyway, that we know the result on the other side is worth the fear that we're facing. So, so that's really what courage is. And then humility, you know, I think when we get, when we get some of that courage under our belt and when we have this, this positive loop of, of what's happening when we act in this leadership role, we can, we can get, uh, you know, a little, a little big for our britches. So how do we keep it in context, right? How do we, how do we know, how do we never forget where we've come from and, and the steps that we've taken and also know that we don't have all the answers, right? It isn't our role to, to create a roadmap. It's to empower people to, to create their own roadmap. And then patience, which is the one that I always have to work on. We just live in a world that demands the opposite of patience, right? Because everything is so quick. It happens so quickly. You have to make all of these these decisions. But, but taking that beat, that moment, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to put off that email for a day, but when you feel the reaction, you're having a reaction you don't really want to have, right? Then, or it's a reaction that could be detrimental to your leadership role, you know, go go grab a cup of water, go listen to your favorite song, do do the thing that breaks that pattern that really allows you to, to make the decisions that you want to make, to, to be the person you want to be, that you're, you can have a reaction, but how do we train ourselves to not be reactive? And then, and then responsibility, obviously, is huge, that that we, we have to take responsibility for our actions, that when we, when we are courageous, right, or when we, we don't practice patience or, or, or when we, you know, do or don't have empathy, our, we don't exist in a vacuum, right? Like, even though this is our work and this is our practice, that there really is a way that we impact other people. So when we do make those mistakes, how do we address those, correct those, move on and be better last time? I mean, one of my favorite, my Angela quotes is that you... Um, you know, do good and until you know better and then do better, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how do you how do you learn from those those mistakes and stay in it when it gets awkward? And then the last one is authenticity, which is really bringing that all together, which is embracing all of those parts of yourselves and knowing that this is a work in practice and that we're really uh, moving towards something higher. But it isn't going to be without these stumbles and these pitfalls because if you're not making mistakes, then you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Um, so that that kind of like those pillars set up this this, this uh, very welcoming style of leadership that you can embrace the things you're already good at and, and work at the things that, that are maybe, you know, inherently challenging to you, but then you have a full tool set to address any leadership situation. And you and I are talking about these pillars in relationship to leadership, but really, what great traits to embody just to, to live a happy, empowered life? Absolutely. And I think you just, you know, to go back to, to kids again, or, you know, young kids in our lives, whether they're ours or not, like to think of developing these, these skills as a, you know, 10, 12, 14, or like as a middle schooler and, and to really know yourself that well, to, to know the things that you practice would, would just be so empowering to, to feel grounded in, in any situation. And like you said, I, I think that's so critical, right? Like it isn't in these organizational structures where we can be a leader, you know, you see somebody that holds the door for somebody else at the grocery store, or you see somebody who, um, you know, lets somebody go in front of them in line when they only have two items, right? Like there, there are these, these acts of kindness that, 
that are outside of a, a work school structured environment that are so impactful. Like to me, that is leadership. And it isn't the people that you, you know, on the org chart lead. It's the people that see you and how you behave in your everyday life. And I think that, that it is, you know, when we, when we practice these things and, and, and we evolve into these, these versions of ourselves that we want to be, that, that this leadership style and these, this authentic lifestyle that we live, you know, isn't something we do, it's someone we are. Like, we don't have to think twice about it because it's just how we operate. Um, and so I think that's the, the practice piece that's so critical. And just like you said, it, it isn't something we do at work. It's not like, you know, we close our laptop and then all of a sudden this stuff goes out the window, right? We do it with our kids. We do it with our friends. We do it in our communities. That's, that's the most important part of the work. And just think of the impact we would have on our relationships, how much more loving and the, the closeness we could have with another human being just by practicing some of these things you're teaching. Yeah, and I think when we see that something, you know, I know that patience is so hard for me, um, but then I see somebody that practices it, and, you know, at, at first glance, maybe I'm frustrated by the length of time it takes them to do something, but if I really dig in, I can admire, well, they're just, they're just patient, they're just mindful, they're just thoughtful, like, I can, I can learn from that, I think, you know, by extension, if we're willing to, to start off with empathy, we can see the things that are maybe frustrating in others through a different lens, and and see it really as a strength and, and something that we would we would emulate and, and want to do want to be more like right and then mm-hmm. when, when you see that then like you said that changes changes our relationship significantly when when we're when we admire the people that you know previously we created struggles for and just think the impact that it would have if these things were taught to our let's even say high school age students or younger it would have such an impact on bullying and the way we treat other people. Absolutely, and I think that that's such such a critical piece, right? Because kids are so so open to that, right? They don't have 30, 40, 50 years of training where, where some of our reactions or some of our assumptions or some of our biases are so ingrained that they make it harder to break. Where we, you know, kids don't, you don't, you're not born hateful, you're not born judgmental, right? Those are learned traits, and the longer we have those the harder they are to break. But if you take high schoolers, right, and, and how much of that for them is just social survival, right? They do the things because they're trying to exist in a world that, that they don't have the tools to, to be empowered enough to exist in. And so if we can give them the tools to be able to do that and, and that becomes our cultural norm, then then I think everybody can be this fullest version of themselves. And, and like you said, it, it creates these environments where where anyone can flourish. Everyone is welcome for exactly who they are because that's what everyone's doing. There's no mold to fit. There's no box to fit in. Like you don't even have to fit. You have to fit in somebody else's box. You don't have to fit in your own box, right? Where we take off those limitations. And, and like you said, just think of, think of the impact they could have. For as long as I've been doing this work, every time I have a conversation like this, I always think to myself, if we could just get to the kids before they get older, my age, and we have to undo all the damage that's been done in the way they think and the way we treat other people. So this is really, I think, so important to get to the kids when they're younger. Absolutely, 100%. And I think such a huge piece of it is, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's the way we're ingrained. It's what we think. And, and, and to me, the first change is how do we see ourselves, right? How are, are we willing to dive in? and see ourselves as imperfect humans, right? That are, that are working on something that we can look at ourselves with humility, that we're not trying to, you know, uh, accomplish these, these things that are set up by other people. But if we can have that, we can feel empowered and grounded and solid in ourselves. I think that's of course the first step to, to being able to extend that to other people, you know, like, of course it's a balance. You don't do it 
individually, but but so much of the judgment, so much of the persecution, so much of that comes from a um, an inability to see one's own strength, right? To to, to see one's um, limitations not as not as shortcomings, but as opportunities for advancement. So instead of you know we can create strong, confident, mindful kids. That's that's where everything. I mean, that, then the whole game changes, right? Yeah, because you've been working to try to foster inclusion, and what do you think is the the biggest roadblock to what you're seeing out there? Would this be a game changer, or is it something else? Well, I think this. I think this would be a game changer for sure. I, I think a, a huge piece of it, honestly, is an inability. Not even an inability. Let me rephrase that: an unwillingness to have hard conversations, for parents to have hard conversations with their kids, right? Like if, we're, if we want to change the way that kids see the world, they are smarter than we give them credit for and they're figuring stuff out whether we're helping them or not. So our unwillingness to have those difficult conversations to me is, you know, conversations that are about things that are hard, like race, like sexuality, like bias, right? And they can all be age appropriate, those are all things that are that are that are normalized. But if we can normalize difference, but it, I, I feel like for so much of that, we don't feel comfortable. We don't feel like we have all the answers. And I feel like for for so much of that, that's okay. Like our kids don't expect us to have the answers if we have a willingness to to help find the solutions with them. So so to me, you know, it's all of this. You know, there's so much that we can say that is external that needs to be changed. It could be fixed. To do whatever. But if we all did our own work, to me, that would be enough then we're moving in the right direction. We're so worried. It kind of, we let ourselves off the hook in this altruistic way of wanting to make the world a better place. Like, let's, let's keep our own house clean and, and, and then go out and do that work. Well, you're right, because if, if we don't have the conversation, the kids are going to learn. I mean, when you know, I'm older now. When I was younger, in the dark ages, you know, learning it out on the street was a much different thing than learning it out there now. The the messaging, the media, the music, the social media, these kids are, are going to get a, a totally different story than the one that you want to teach them absolutely and you you know i i always think of it as like if we we talk about something that it's a more sensitive subject that it's more nuanced right so we talk about we talk about race we talk about sexual orientation we talk about any of those kind of divisive topics that that make us squirm a little bit like you know whoever the bully in the back of the bus like i wouldn't want him to teach my kid algebra i certainly don't want him to teach my kids about race or confrontation right or any of these like these significant topics like but like you said they're going to learn that there anyway they're going to learn in the back of the bus they're going to learn it on their phones they're going to learn it talking about their friends and not to say you know we are the only resource they're ever going to have but but we are that balanced resource and to have those challenging conversations early again we're not going to wrap it up in a 15 second soundbite right but what we want is for our kids to come back with questions we want that door to always be open to us for conversations. And the same with our friends too, right? Like as an LGBTQ person, I, I don't want, if somebody does something that's offensive or, or says something that's hurtful, I give them the benefit of the doubt, right? I, I, I think that their ignorance and not ignorance, stupidity, ignorance, lack of knowledge is, is something that I can, I can help with, right? And if they're repeatedly saying anything or, or they're overtly discouraging, sure, like we can cut ties there, but... But what I want is to, I don't want to put them in their, pl- their place, right? I don't want to, you know, jump up on my soapbox. I want them, when they have a question that's more in-depth, that's more personal, 
to see me as a, as a resource, right? Not somebody who's going to judge them for not being woke enough or not being enlightened enough, right? And so, so how do I see that as a leadership role as well? And so I think that that's a, that's a critical piece is, is like you said, our kids, our kids and, and other adults, like they're going to find the resources. Let's do our best to make sure they at least have access to good ones. Yeah. And, you know, like I've always said, knowledge is power and it might as well come yeah. from us and be the lessons that we want them to learn. Exactly. And just like you said, like they're going to hear the other thing. So either they, they hear the one side of it and they hear nothing or they hear our version as well. Right. And, yeah. and, and there's no way that that's not additive. That, that doesn't fit, you know, despite what teenagers would want. Like there's parts of it that just stick in, stick in their brain. But the problem is we just never know what's going to stick. So how do we kind of continue that, continue that conversation? The book is Step Up, How to Live with Courage and Become an Everyday Leader. Ash, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? Absolutely. Well, if they go to ashbeckham.com, um, that's my website. And then on social media, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, I'm at Ash Beckham. And then Instagram is at the Ash Beckham. Um, and I'd love to, to, again, have continuing conversations with people and, and, and see their um, how they evolve in, in these practices and, and what they do and, and what their struggles are. And, and I think we just, you know, celebrate and, and, and commiserate together and, and create a community where we can have these, these deeper conversations, I think, is, is always added. So I think the most important thing is for people to know that they're not alone. Like, your struggle is, it might not be the same as my struggle, but, but we're all carrying something. Ash, in our final moments, what's a takeaway? What do you want to leave our listeners with? I would say it, it, if this is something that you're interested in, right, it, of really embracing embracing that inner leadership that you have, that you inherently have in, in your body, it, it exists despite your willingness to see it, I would say do something this week that makes you a little bit nervous, right, that, that pushes your boundaries of leadership a little bit. And maybe that's just looking yourself in the mirror, looking yourself in the eye and saying, I am a leader. Maybe that's the scariest thing you do. Maybe it's volunteering to be involved in something. Maybe it's having a difficult conversation, but I think we are so, um, it's so easy for us to know when we're pushing our limits because we get that, that pit in, a, in the bottom of our stomach of like, should I do this? It's outside of my comfort zone. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Like that, that's it. Because I think what we do is we build our resilience to that. So, so I would challenge everybody who's willing to, to be on this journey to, to do something that makes them a, a little bit uncomfortable and, and see and know that you've gotten through 100% of the hard things you've ever done. And, and so let's, let's build that resilience up and, and really put you out there as, as the leader that, that everyone else sees you to be. Ash, thank you so much for joining us. This has really been such a great conversation and I appreciate you being here. Uh, absolutely, Jen. I love it. And thank you so much for, for what you do and bringing, bringing these voices in, into the world. They, they need to hear them so much. So I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.